Hey again, Fresh From The Hill listeners, it's Amanda. We once again have another incredible episode in store for you today featuring Tiffany Sutherland, Class of 2006. I wanted to pop on and give you another quick heads up that there are a few instances of audio clipping on John's track towards the end of this episode. I think that it won't be a problem and you'll be able to understand all of his points and questions, but I wanted to make sure you don't think it's something on your end. So regardless, you're really going to dig this episode, so please enjoy. Welcome Cornellians. Welcome to another episode of Fresh from the Hill, Inside Stories of Noteworthy Cornellians. I'm John Rollins III, Class of 2006, and the 16th President of the Cornell Black Alumni Association. I'm excited about today's episode because I get to speak to a coach, a recruiter, a podcast host, a lawyer, motivational and inspirational speaker, and literally someone who has been in my Cornell world since day one. Like I promise you, the actual day one. And that is Tiffany Sutherland, class of 2006. Tiffany, welcome to Fresh From The Hill. Oh, John, I am so happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I, You know, as we were thinking of folks to invite for this particular season, your name came up in my mind. I said, yeah, I got to get Tiffany on here. And then um, not too long ago, I got to um, hear when you were um, talking to um, the Mu Gamma chapter of Delta Sigma Theta through their Instagram account and helping them with their their series that they're just launching. And I was like, oh yeah, this is like the best choice. I love this. This is going to be fantastic. So um, I want to ask you just to kick everything off, um, a question that I ask all of our guests, what brought you to Cornell? What was like your first exposure to Cornell and why did you decide that this was the institution for you? Well, first, I want to say thank you for being who you are and being a friend of I, well, you said the year we graduated 2006, which is I can't believe how long ago that was. But um, I thank you for this opportunity. Um, what brought me to Cornell? So I am from Hempstead, Long Island, and I was going I went to I you know attended a church. And there was a, uh, a, a woman, now she's a woman, she was a, a, a recent high school graduate and she was going, she went to Cornell for undergrad. And I was like, okay, so I need to understand more about this. And she actually, I went to visit her for a weekend and I was like, this place is, this is the best place ever. From there, I fell in love and I was able to spend going the summer between my junior and senior year in high school. I attended summer college. So I spent six weeks on campus. This was my first time away from home for such an extended period of time. And we were, we felt like we were adults. We, you know, we had our, of course we had RAs, we had supervision, but you know, I was living in a dorm. I had a roommate who was from Turkey. The um, girl across the hall from me was from Venezuela. And I'm this, you know, black girl from Long Island. And I was just like, this, this is amazing. And uh-huh. that is when I fell in love with Ithaca. And that's when I fell in love with Cornell. And from there I had my eyes locked and that was the only school I wanted to go to for college. I applied to others, but when I had the opportunity to go for undergrad and I was accepted and got that big red book, that big package in yes. that big envelope, Yes, uh, that was that was it. I was sold. I was sold. That's wonderful. I wonder if they're still getting the big envelopes anymore. You know, I feel like now you see all the reveal videos. Yeah, you got a little email. I don't want an email. I, I'm on paper. I want that. Big, listen, that's the way you knew. And you got the small envelope. It was kind of, oh, okay, well. Or surprise, because that did happen once or twice. That small envelope that you thought was a denial letter. Nope, you're in. 
Okay, now this is good. This is good. All right, so yes, you you went through we we went through Cornell. Um, both of us graduated from the College of Human Ecology. Both of us are were human development majors. Um, and what I love about human development is that it allows you to go on various different paths, right? So um, your post Cornell journey, um, because as someone who knows you, you know you've always been doing amazing things. Um, you have a master's in social work. You've got your law degree. Can you talk a little bit more about that post Cornell journey that you've taken? Sure. So um, I had my eyes set on going to law school right after college, right? And back when we back when we went to school, I, I feel really um, you know sophisticated and seasoned saying that. But um, it was it was commonplace to go straight from college and straight into your your graduate program. And um, and my my academic record at the time did not was that did not. It, it, that was not necessarily my path. Law school was not going to be the thing that I um, I was able to get admit. I wasn't going to get admitted right away, um, and so I needed to figure out what was I going to do to prepare myself, give myself time to prepare my academic record and get ready to go. And I took a I took a course. Um, I took two classes with the professor, um, and he asked me if I'd ever considered social work. And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what social workers do beyond working with you know children and family services. And that was where I I learned about the discipline of social work, the way that it aligns so well with our HD um, education in terms of thinking about the whole person. And um, and from there, um, I started graduate school right after college, moved to Philadelphia. And, um, and went to another Ivy League institution that I won't name here because we're talking about Cornell today, um, but it's a still a great school nonetheless. Um, but <laughs> um, so um, I did two years of a master's degree and, and still had law school on my mind. And so while I was in my first year of my master's program, I decided that I was going to, um, I was I applied to law school um, and was accepted to law school and stayed at the same institution, University of Pennsylvania. I'm going to shout them out because they're an excellent institution. I love them. I love them as well. And, um, and, um, and from there, stayed on the track to be an attorney. Um, and I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I started practicing and ended up not, I did not practice for very long. So I had this idea from, you know, age 12, 13 of wanting to be a lawyer. And I saw it all the way through to the extent of taking, uh, you know, two bar exams and practiced for some time and decided that I, um, to your point about human development, preparing you to be able to take different directions, realized that I could take all the things that I had learned and apply my education in a new way and thus sort of spawning the the career transitions that I made. I love that. I think especially, you know, I think you were fortunate enough in that time that, you know, you you did some of the things that you had thought to do and wanted to do and then said, okay, this is not necessarily the path that I want to go in. So you made the pivot. And now we're in this place where Unfortunately, some folks are being forced to make that pivot, right? Because of, you know, the the impact of the pandemic and, and things like that. So it's it's great that you've been able to, in the course of your time, shift where you needed to. Um, and, and so some of the things that you've done, I mean, I think, you know, maybe for those of us, especially back in the day, we weren't, no one was listening to a podcast. If you had a blog, maybe that was the closest thing that you could have, you know, had to a podcast. What you learned in the process of, you know, making this, this mm -hmm. podcast. 
Absolutely. So the pro- the podcast came about because I realized to your point, you know, we didn't have the the internet didn't exist the way that it does now in terms of giving us resources. We absolutely had people we could learn from. I had a number of people who had really meaningful conversations with me about how to guide, um, how to move, you know, through life at post college. But what what I always what I found myself um, doing, particularly around two thousand and 12, 2013 was, you know, I was looking for a syllabus, right? I had gone from school starting from 2002 all the way until 2011, right? That's a long time where every 15 weeks or so I had someone in every class handing me a a, a, a start to finish. These are the readings you have to do. These are the assignments you have to take. This is how your knowledge is going to be tested for a really long time. And when I started when I started my career, I felt myself sort of grasping for how am I supposed to adult? Literally, it started out, how am I supposed to navigate my finances, my health, my career decisions, my relationships, my family, my mental health, my physical health, all of these things. So I started the podcast, Practical Insight and Honest Perspective on Being Grown, which is was my first initial tagline, because I was really just wanting to share with people, how do you navigate adulthood moderately well, right? I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of challenges. I'm learning things. But one of the things that I've always been able to do is find the practical and the and the positive perspective, even through the most challenging aspects of life. And so um, I, I wanted to, I used to blog. I decided I would overthink my writing. And so I was like, you know, I speak a little bit faster than I might write. So let me put something out there. And, um, and like you said, I just actually published my 142nd episode this week. It went live um, as of this recording yesterday yesterday. And, um, and it has been an amazing experience. And what I think to, to get to your specific question, what I, I've learned is it, it's forced me to process what I experience in a way that can create um, t- tangible opportunities for others to be able to learn and benefit from. So it, it, when I think about something, I'm not only thinking about it from the perspective or when I'm experiencing something, it's not just what I'm learning, but how can I take something that I'm gaining from this and turn it into something that someone else might be able to gain value for? Because I, I believe that our lives are not our own, but instead are meant to be lived in service of other people. And so I try to, in everything that I do, um, to, to, to live that out and therefore bring what I'm learning to the table even if it means sharing something very personal, something that was harmful, something that hurt me. Um, but I, I wait until I've come through it to really be able to, to deliver it to, to those who I'm, um, I'm hoping to, to serve. Absolutely. And I've, I've listened to many of these, what you said, 142 episodes, and they're all so powerful. I really do encourage the audience to check out as she do it and towards the end we'll make you know exactly where they can follow you about more about kind of you know what you're doing with the podcast and other things you're doing um so let's talk a little bit about the coaching as well as what are some common themes that you're finding right now maybe some common areas especially during the pandemic and everything that we've experienced you know more recently what are some common themes that you are hearing that maybe people are kind of, you know, dealing with struggles or issues that we're maneuvering through. And then how do we move through those? How do we combat those things 
to be, you know, our best selves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, when I stopped practicing, I knew that. So part of when I was in my graduate program, I'll take a step back a little bit. I was studying to be a clinical social worker. And so I was taking classes related to diagnosis, being a therapist, though that was the direction I was going in. I knew that I didn't actually want to be a therapist, but being able to directly serve someone was something that I was, I really, really loved that, that idea and be able to see someone go from where they start to, to a transition. And I learned about the discipline of coaching as a, as a tool to not necessarily dictate to people coaching in its purest form doesn't tell someone the solution but it helps instead helps them develop and and address and recognize the solution within themselves and you help people navigate through that process through a series of powerful questions things of that nature and um and at the time when I started it I was like I want to help everybody I want to help people do um you know everything and be their best selves and all these things and over time I realized that people came to me about professional things like what how do I make this career transition? How do I get into graduate school? And, and at the intersection though of those professional questions was trying to balance the personal confidence challenges or how do I articulate my value? How do I recognize or identify what my goals are? And so um, my career coaching practice sort of developed from there really as a way, what I, I tell people is I, I serve the whole person, particularly I work mostly with women, but I serve the, the whole woman and not just her career strategy or how to get this promotion, but who are you going into the, that promotion? Why do you want it? What drives you? And what are some of your obstacles or barriers that you might have to navigate to get there? And so we work together to navigate, to develop those strategies to do that. Um, what I've seen in, in the last several months start, you know, since this pandemic started really is, um, is people trying to find make good use of the time that they have to think differently about themselves in their life in a season where in a time where they may have never had that opportunity before. So some of the, the, the clients that I've worked with over the last, um, since, you know, really beginning in May or May of last year are people who no longer have commutes, right? They have, they're taking less time. They have more time to sit and actually think about what they actually want. Um, and, and so have been able to say, okay, how do I make a strategic decision? And at the same time though, um, feeling conflicted about even wanting to make a move when there are so many um, employment challenges facing so many of our, 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 fellow, our fellow Americans, our fellow citizens across the country, across the world. Um, so navigating some guilt related to that um, and really, um, almost having to, to be, to be bold enough to say, you know, I do want something different and I'm willing to take the steps to make that happen. And so, um, you know, it's been also people who are trying to feel, trying to understand how to articulate their value inside of the organizations that they're in. How do I get what I want? How do I get the types of projects that I want to be on? Um, and really it's a lot of common career questions, even inside of this odd time that we are in. And some of the more novel ones are people who are, who want to reinvent themselves entirely and say, okay, well, I want to leave this entirely behind. How do I make this, this big transition, a, a career direction that I never, I have no experience in. Wow. Okay. I would say pre-pandemic, we were in our regular routines and because everything is shaking up our routines, I can imagine that, you know, thinking through that and, and, you know, kind of feeling 
if there are things that you've been thinking about or dreaming about, it's like may not necessarily be all right. I was thinking of doing this and two months later I'm launching it. Maybe giving that ideation some more energy is added to what's going on. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think I think that the the in, in addition to add to what you said, I think that people have like you said, they have more room. Like they just have, and, and, and I say that to acknowledge also that there's more room and more complication at the same time, right? Because as someone who had to navigate a, um, a temporary shift in my full-time employment status at the beginning of the, the pandemic, right? I was all of a sudden thrown off not only my regular routine, but my financial, you know, um, standing for a certain season. And so it's to, to while to, uh, I want to make sure that, um, you know, that we acknowledge both the difficulty of the season that we are in because we're trying to reorient ourselves to this in this world in an entirely new way while also recognizing the opportunity in it. And that's one of the things that I do um, with, I try to do with my clients and through really through my podcast and the work that I do um, even in my, my full-time role is we, yeah, we have this obstacle, but where are the opportunities in it? Where are, what, what, how can we acknowledge what's hard here, but how can we, how can we outline a way to move forward? So it's not, it's not choosing only optimism or choosing only sort of the, 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 the hard facts of the reality, but where can we align them and say, how can this, this reality inform where we, where we move forward? Right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about um, was faith. Because I know from, you know, just our, our friendship and, you know, hearing you speak, and I wanted you to be able to share that um, with our listening audience, how that has impacted you and how it continues to guide you. Absolutely. Um, and I thank you for that opportunity. I think what one of the things that I realized over the, really the last three years or so is that um, my faith is very much linked to my identity as a person, as a woman who walks this earth in my beautiful, you know, melanated skin, right, is that my identity is not, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, how I show up in this world is not about me, but it is in fact about the way that I serve my, my God, right? And so by virtue of that, it's therefore then how do I serve my, the people who I work with, my family, my colleagues, right? Um, in, in, in my, my actual clients in service of my business. And, um, and for me, what I have to do is stay grounded in that because what, what faith does is it gives you something that doesn't change right? It gives you something that does not. And I believe in, I believe in, 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 in Christ. And, and what scripture tells us is that is the, that is a rock upon which I can stand. The world will change every day. It will change minute by minute. It will change month by month, as we have seen in this, in the last, in, in 2020 now into 2021. And, um, and yet I can always come back to something consistent that even as the world swirls around me, I can plant myself somewhere that is unshakable. And for me, what that does is it doesn't, it doesn't make me better than anybody else. It doesn't give me, it only helps inform the way I see and approach the world every single day. It gives me a fuel to say, I can't do this right now on my own, but I don't have to rely on my own strength because there's a strength that's much greater than me that, um, that I can, I can live and exist in this world. in. it gives me a comfort, um, when, when times are hard, um, and it gives me a, a, a sense of love and, 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 and really joy and, and compassion, um, when, um, even when things are really difficult. And what I have learned is that the more that I am authentic about that, it, it, it doesn't create a space where I feel like I can't tell someone, 
um, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to pray for you about that. I don't have to do it in the moment. I'm not about, you know, it's not about throwing something in someone's face, but it is in fact, it is just offering another compassionate perspective to, um, to someone. And I think for me, it has been, it has been what has kept me, um, you know, from, from it's kept me, <laughs> it has kept me, um, from, yeah. from some dark, dark days and on some dark days. Um, and I'm grateful for it for sure. Now that's, that's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I wanted to ask you, uh, what is, again, you've had an incredible journey that, you know, many of us have been able to follow. What is next for you? Are there things that you can talk about or kind of what do you see next for you? Um, what is next for me? That is a question that I'm, I ask myself at least weekly. Um, but for right now, what I will say it is, what is next for me is learning to be an excellent leader. Um, I, um, am now in a full-time diversity and inclusion role at a large law firm, um, based in, and and now in, in, in Atlanta. And one of the things that I have had to learn to do over the last several months is not only be a member of a team, but lead a team. And so for me, um, learning to be a, a leader is really at the top of my list as what is what is next for me. But in terms of my, I think about my business and my podcast, really, um, really uh, honing on in on my new voice and in this new season with the new um, professional direction that I'm in and also thinking about how can I serve more women in a more impactful way. And so one of the things that I'm hoping to, to, to launch later this year is a, um, is a group coaching program um, that I'm really excited about that I want to be able to serve um, to women who are interested in in advancing their career in a um, in a very strategic way but also while also honoring their values and who they are at their core and um, and so I'm really just out, out in, in this season just embracing and uh, and relishing in the process of, of growth right now and um, and also looking to advance and take take my um, take my role and the, the the responsibilities that I'm charged with related to diversity and inclusion to another level um, and continuing to serve. I love it. I was, I was talking to a friend of ours recently and I discovered that if you and I are working in diversity and inclusion roles. This person is moving into diversity. I said, look at what HD did for us. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. All these years later, circling around, and now we're all running in the same circle again. Exactly. I really love it. Um, I want to come back to your Cornell experience a little bit. Um, I want to ask you important questions. Um, one is, was a class that you still remember to this day um, that was impactful in your journey um, to where you are now? Um, I would say it was the, I took a class called community, it was community psychology with Professor Harry Siegel. Mm. And this class was where I first learned about Jeffrey Canada, who was the founder of the Harlem Children, Harlem Children's Zone. And um, this class was so powerful because it demonstrated the way that systems and, 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 and I mean, in a, I think our HD background did this, or our HD education did this as well, but it, it focused so um, specifically on how a community both impacts its people and how people impact the community. And it was just, it was just a eye-opening experience for me. And it really helped me understand why our institutions are so important and so, um, and so critical to the way that they serve or don't serve our communities. And so what can we do to make sure that they, um, that they really, um, that they respond to the needs of the people and that the people feel engaged by the organizations that are, are exist where they live. 
Of it. Wonderful. And what were some of your favorite spots on campus? Um, I loved the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, now that's where we, you know, we studied a lot of late nights there, but I just loved being in like the, just the library. Like I miss being able to spend dedicated time sitting and just doing one task, right. As opposed to the 50 things that we run around doing with our head, our, you know, kind of our, our hair on fire in the roles that we have and, um, and MVR, I loved being an MVR and that MVR has changed. So in so many beautiful, beautiful ways. Um, so I gave you two, and I'm going to give you one more and it's off campus, but college town bagels, hands down, one of my favorite places. Um, I always go, it's one of my, it's actually probably the first place I stop if it's open when I'm, if I'm in Ithaca, drive straight there. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's dope. I think I, I was going to say the last time I was in MR when we saw, I think we were all together for one of our reunions and we got to see how the building continues to, to shift. It is beautiful. Uh, you know, and, and I'll, as I, as we wrap up, you know, like I said, in the very beginning, you literally were there from day one, we were in the summer program together. So that's literally like your first time, or at least for me, the first time on campus when Verdeen Lee gave us our sheets and information for. Verdeen. <laughs> and, and I think very fondly on all the, the memories that we had, the times where you and Christine had to wake me up in class and, and I would not have gotten through my experience at Quell if it wasn't for you and other folks. So I appreciate you even giving your time to share with our audience where can folks uh, keep up with you? Oh, uh, well, first I have to say, um, Cornell would never have been the same without you, John. And so I'm grateful because we we got each other across that finish line, right? We were there for each other through some of the best and the hardest days in that experience. And I'm so grateful to have the, the memory and your leadership and continued friendship over, um, over the years. Um, where can people find me? Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And um, I, I would say LinkedIn and Instagram are probably the best two ways to connect with me. Um, I am at Tiff South on Instagram, and that's Tiff with two Fs. And um, I am on Instagram, I mean, excuse me, on LinkedIn by my name, Tiffany F. Sutherland. And so you can find me there. Feel free to connect with me um, and let me know that you, if you listened, if this is where you found me, let me know this is where you found me. And I look forward to, to, to staying in touch. Yes, I really encourage our audience to go and to me to keep up with the things that she's doing. Check out the How Does She Do It podcast. All things Tiffany, I guarantee you they will inspire you and continue to motivate you. So again, thank you so much to Tiffany. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find out more information about young alumni programs and how to get involved at alumni.cornell.edu backslash young alumni. And also by following the Facebook page at Young Alumni Programs. You can also learn more about the Cornell Black Alumni Association at CBAA1976.com and follow Follow us on all of our social media platforms at CBAA1976. Music from Fresh from the Hill was written, produced, and recorded by Kia Albertson Rogers, class of 2013. And you can contact him at KOA3 at Cornell.edu. If you have ideas for the podcast that you would like to share, please email our incredible producer, Amanda Massa, at amanda.massa, that's M-A-S-S-A, at cornell.edu. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.